0: The church on a rock? Amen. Amen. My name is Rashad. <laughs> who was that? Who was that? <laughs> I'm always looking for who that one was. Oh, there you go. I couldn't see you back there. That's, that's my guy. So, um, we do that to make sure that you are engaged in the Word, that you are here, that you are present. There's a lot of stuff that goes on week to week that's going on through your life, and it's a possibility that you're walking in here as a checklist on your scorecard, but we believe that transformation takes place with the Word of God, so we just want to make sure you're attentive. Plus, it kind of gets my energy up and going as well, so we're going to do it one more time. My name's Rashad. I say this every time because everybody, somebody messes it up. It's not Radish. It's not a Rashad. It's not all these. It's not Rashad. It's Rashad. Okay, uh, <laughs> and so um, we're gonna do that one more time. I say good morning, Church on the Rock. You say good morning, Rashad. Just lets us know you're ready for the word of God. So if you don't like the loud yelling, you can plug your ears. But we're gonna do it anyway. This is kind of how we do. Uh, good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning. All right, all right, all right. It was when we first started doing that. There was like um, there'd be like newborn babies, right? Like, like right in the middle, and people would scream, and they'd be like, yeah, I was like, ah. Oh. So like literally women, like as soon as I got up here, they would get up with the babies and run to the quiet room and be like, do it, and then they'd come back out here, just history of Church on the Rock. Anyway, um, so we are continuing with our series called All Fall. Uh, it's been tough. I mean, the last two weeks, all we've talked about is how wrong we are <laughs> like all, all we talked about is the depth of sin the depth of unrighteousness the depth of how out of a right relationship with God we are and um, we're going to talk about that a little bit more but we're starting to turn the corner uh, we do have a baptism today celebrate God and um if you have to leave, because we do start a little later than 10.30, and sometimes I go a little long. If you have to leave, nobody's judging you. Um, uh, we know you got stuff to do, and we don't, we're not kind of orthodox in a lot of the things we do. So if you have to leave, we get it. But please, stay for the baptism if you can, so we can just celebrate the work that God is doing in the church. So um, last week... We looked at Romans 3, verses 9 through 20. And what we looked at in Romans 3, verses 9 through 20 were like Peter, I mean, excuse me, Paul is walking through all of these reasons that nobody in this room by themselves without Christ is in right standing with God. Nobody in this room is a good person By the standard of God, you may be a good person by your grandma's standards, you may be a good person by your co-worker's standards, by your your classmate's standards, but by God's standards, no one in this room is a good person. No one is righteous, not one. And we said the not one was because somebody in here is like, well, you don't know me. That's cool. I don't have to know you. Not one person in this room, yes, that includes the little babies, is righteous by God's standards. And so it's devastating to walk through that section of scripture. And if you, if you left last week and you didn't go home and read for yourself, or if you left last week and, and you didn't think about what's going to happen this week, you might be like, I don't like that church. I don't like that pastor. I don't even like the Bible right now because you're basically telling me I suck, for lack of a better word. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say that up here, but I did it. Okay. And so what happens is, what happens is, um, now we enter this part of uh, the but now is what they call it. And so let me see, because I can't remember what order I put these in. <sighs> it's not working, Leah. Is <laughs> that me or was that you? That was you. Well, it looks like, is the power on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, well, it's not currently working. And so, Leah, you are in trouble because I'm going to... It's all you now. All right. Y'all, y'all pray for Leah. So, <laughs> so we're in Romans 3.21. I'm going to read it first. Leah, you don't have to um, switch anything yet. I'm just going to read it first. I'm going to read Romans 3. We're going to do 21 through 24. Initially, I said 21 through 26, but I just want to be careful with the time here and just break it apart how we need to. So Romans 3, 21 through 24 reads, But now, apart from the law... The righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. That is the section of Scripture we're going to be in, and I'm going to try to be like very, very careful with my time here. So... The first thing you see, if you look at that scripture, if you're looking at your translations, and it may be a little bit different of a translation than mine, but the first thing I want you to pay attention to is the "but now," like when you see "but now" or "but God," like that means everything we just talked about is about to be negated. So you're supposed to shout when you, like, I say "but now," y'all supposed to be like "Amen." But now, that's how that's how it's supposed to be. Like if I'm reading, I'm like "but now," y'all be like "Amen." People looking at you like, what's wrong with them, right? But. The but now means everything we just talked about from verses 9 through 20 about how unrighteous man is and about how man cannot get himself together, man cannot save himself, man cannot do anything to earn his salvation. Paul says, but now. Y'all, come on, work with me, man. Work with me. I heard you. (laughs) And so, and so he's, about to, he's about to negate everything that he just said through something. So give me my next slide, Leah. Let's see how this works. So it says, but now apart. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> All right, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. And so what we've told you in the, in the previous context is that if you look at the Old Testament or if you're somebody who was aware of the Ten Commandments or if you know all 613 commandments from the Old Testament and you're keeping a scorecard, perhaps you're, you're keeping your scorecard and you're like, I'm just checking off each one. past, pass, 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 pass. pass. Um, Paul says out of those 613 commandments, not only do you have to keep them outwardly uh, with your actions, not only do you have to keep them with your mouth, but even in your thoughts, right? So if you even think sinfully, you have failed that part of the scorecard. Now, here's the thing. Um, My daughter, and some of you students know this, you'll take a test, right? Think about this. You'll take a test, and the, the teacher's like, this is the most important test of the year, and there's only two questions, which means if you miss one, you fail the test, right? It's the same thing with the law. If you miss one, if you fail one at any time, whether it be in deed, in word, or in thought, you have failed the entire test. So you cannot be saved by the law because you cannot keep the law in perfection at all times in word, deed, and thought. You can't do it. You, could, you probably messed up on the way to church today, right? You probably, when kids got on your nerves, and you was like, ah, I messed it up again, right? And so, and so you cannot be saved by keeping the law. So Paul says, but now, Amen. forget it, we, we, we're just trash this morning. But now, apart from that standard, apart from that way of salvation, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Now, for some of you who haven't been walking through this journey with us, you will need to go back to our podcast and look at some of the um, sermons that we've already done. We taught an entire sermon on the righteousness of God. And what that means, that's a word that some of us don't understand. The righteousness of God is basically, there's one question that the Bible answers that cannot be answered anywhere else. How do I get right with my creator? How do I get into a right relationship with my creator where when this is all said and done, I can stand before God and know that I'm not being condemned to hell? Like, some of you are here this morning because that's the question on your heart. Like, how can I stand before God and know with full assurance and full confidence he's not going to send me to hell? And for some of us, we start looking at all those 613 commandments and saying, if I just keep this one and do that one and do right by this and do right by this, surely I'll be able And then God says, but if you fail one, you have failed all of them. And therefore, you're no longer worthy of standing before me and not being condemned to sin. All fall. So the law doesn't save you. If anything, it tells you the standard to save yourself and then says, and you won't pass that test. You will fail it every single time. But now, apart from the law, the right standing or how to get right with God, how to be right with God, has been manifested, meaning revealed. So think about this. If uh, my daughter goes through this, there's times in my mind I know what I want my daughter to do. Like, I'm like, she needs to clean, you know, do the dishes or something like that in my mind. But I never actually tell her that, and yet I hold her accountable to it. Like, why didn't you do the dishes? And she's she's like, you didn't tell me to do the dishes, right? And so imagine that. Imagine God having this standard, God having this way to be right with him, but never, ever actually Manifesting it to you, never revealing it to you. Like if you're driving down the street and somebody pulls you over and there's no speed limit sign anywhere, and you're like, how did I know that the speed limit was 45 if there was no sign to reveal what the standard was for the, uh, you know, how fast I could drive? You'd be upset. You'd be like, you never told me. So God said, I have revealed, I have shown, I have made it clear how to be in a right relationship with me. And it's a part or separated from all those commandments, right? This is what he's saying. Like, it's, 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 it's separated from the commandments. We're going to get back to where the commandments work in because you're like, so you're trying to say the Old Testament don't matter? No, it matters. It matters a lot. But it's, the, the, to be right with God is actually separated from the law. It's apart from the law. But it has been revealed. It has been manifested. And so go to my next slide. The first uh, point, if you're taking points, is the righteousness of God is revealed. It's revealed. It's not a secret. It's not like those who, who deny Christ, who don't believe in Jesus, it's not that it hasn't been revealed to them. It's not that we don't share the gospel. It's not that, it's not that they're not aware of it. They just don't believe it. There's a difference. Like, like, people get upset with me when I won't preach their loved one into heaven They come to me to do a a funeral, and they're like, Pastor, he didn't believe in Jesus, but he was a good person. So you need to uh, make sure everybody here knows that he's going to heaven. And I'm like, I can't do that. You might not want me to do your your funeral. I'll be respectful and all that, but I'm not going to make people feel comfortable because, because it makes you feel good. The fact of the matter is you're telling me he didn't believe in Jesus. He did not believe in what was revealed to him. And and therefore, by the standard of God, not man, um, that's where hell comes in, the thing that we don't like to talk about in church, right? It's been revealed. The question is, do you believe what's been revealed, right? And so the righteousness of God has been revealed. He tells you in the previous verses, this is what we talked about yesterday, all of you on your own are unrighteous. In other words, you're not right with God. I know you think when you uh, put that card up for the old lady that that made you like, Tally Mark, I'm going to heaven, right? You know, and I know you think because you tithe or you give to the church that surely when you get that tax statement at the end, that's proof that you're going to heaven. And I know that you post a daily devotional on Facebook every day and everybody likes and says you're such a man or a woman of God and you're going to heaven. It has nothing to do with you. And I kind of like that. Because I also know there's a lot of you who look down on other people who don't do that stuff and think that you're going to heaven before them because you do it. And it has nothing to do with you. You see that? And so this is what brings the unity in this non-unified nation of ours. The unity comes in the fact that all fall. All are unrighteous. All need a savior. All need somebody to step in and do for them what they can't do for themselves. I don't care if you've been a Christian your entire life or if you just met him today. All need the same solution. And so God has revealed that solution. His name is Jesus Christ. We'll find out more about that. But Leah, help me out here. Go to my next slide. So apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, but it is being witnessed By the law and the prophets. So, quick thing. Normally in the New Testament, when you see the phrase the law and the prophets, it means the Old Testament. The law being basically the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But in most cases also the law being the history books, which is like Joshua through like Ezra and the wisdom books. All of it being the law. And then the prophets being um, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Uh, Jeremiah, Daniel, and then all the minor prophets. I'm not going to name them. And just so you know, when you see major prophets and minor prophets, it doesn't mean the major prophets are more important than the minor prophets. I grew up thinking, oh, Jeremiah is so much more dope than Zechariah because he's a major prophet. And it's like, no, bro, it just means there's a lot more reading. (laughs) It's a bigger book, (laughs) right? But all the prophets are equal. But the law and the prophets are basically the whole of the Old Testament. What Paul is saying is that even though the righteousness of God is apart from the Old Testament or apart from the law, it was witnessed or testified to by the Old Testament. So remember that this is another sermon you got to go back and get. I told y'all we're going to do a lot of work in the beginning so we could kind of flow through the rest of the book. In the beginning, um, there was God. <laughs> Last year around November, we did a sermon where I went through every book of the Bible. Remember that, Clinton? I went through every book of the Bible and showed where Jesus was mentioned. And, like, all throughout the entire Old Testament, we found a scripture in every book. It was like an hour-and-a-half-long sermon, and people was like, we just now getting to the New Testament? Like, it was like every book of the Bible we went through, and we showed where Jesus was mentioned and where the gospel about Jesus Christ was mentioned through the entire Bible because all things point to Jesus, are about Jesus or point from Jesus, and so we showed that. So Paul's saying here, the Old Testament. Remember, he's talking to Jews and Gentiles, but in this section, he's kind of like kind of focusing in on the Jews a little bit as well. He said, "Hey, your your Old Testament, these scriptures that you that you're so invested in, they talk about Jesus. They still preach the gospel." You can preach the gospel from every book of the Bible, including the Old Testament. It points to Jesus. It testifies of the way to be right with God and how it's not you. And that was something that the Pharisees struggled with. They, were, they thought, if I kept this Old Testament, if I kept this scripture that I have, and I do right by it, and I make the sacrifices what I do do wrong, then I will be okay by God. And Paul's like, no. No, you will never be able to keep it or make enough sacrifices to be right by God. It takes a certain sacrifice. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah that was witnessed or testified about in, the, in your scriptures, in the Old Testament. Does that make sense? Has everybody got that? Because I don't want to go over anybody's head in here. Everybody's got that. Okay, so, like, um, that's important. That, that it's not just that it's been revealed, but it's been recorded. That should be my next point. Is that my point up there or is there, yep, the righteousness of God is recorded. That's my next point. So it's been revealed, but it's also been recorded. And that's, that's like, none of you technically know what I do during the week. That's why they got those pastor jokes, right? Like, all you do is preach on Sunday, bleep, Like, <laughs> none of you know what I do during the week but it's all recorded. It's all testified to um, in my schedule. If you go look at my schedule, you'll see, and you'll be like, what is this? What's going on? But, so that's like the law part, but the prophecy part, because remember, the law was given to Moses, and he recorded it, right? But the prophecy part is like the law, I mean, it's it's like um, the Old Testament, parts of it was spoken through man, and so it was reported. It's like, you know, the, pro- the prophet spoke these things about Jesus, and that was recorded. So one was recorded, one was reported. And so same with me. You don't know what I do during the week. You just trust. But I have a schedule that's recorded that shows you what's on my calendar. But then I can also talk to people and say, hey, if you don't believe me, there's those who will testify on my behalf on where I've been and what I've done throughout this week. So, so it's not just that my schedule shows it, but there is human Test- Jeremy, where were we Thursday morning? That's a, tes- that's a testimony. Like he's testifying that Thursday morning I was somewhere doing something for what I'm paid to do here and for what I'm called to do with him. And there's a, there's a testimony. He's testifying. It's witnessed by him that he's actually doing what he's supposed to do. And I can go on. I can just start naming people. on like, what did we do? What did we talk about? No, don't say that. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, Mike. Like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> right? So but but what it is is that it's not just recorded, it's also been reported through prophecy. And and so they're looking at this right standing of God and said it's been revealed, it's been recorded, it's been reported. You have everything you need to believe in Jesus Christ. I love there's this parable in the um, in Luke, I believe it's it might be. Luke sixteen. I'm not sure it's fifteen or I'm pretty sure it's sixteen, but it's it's about Lazarus and um, like this this rich man and basically Lazarus sits outside of this rich man's house and gets the crumbs of what they get. The dogs lick his sores. It just talks about how you know despicable of a life it is and when they die. Um, they both die. The, the, Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham, per se, and the rich man is basically in, in hell or Hades. But he can see Abraham. He can see Lazarus. And as, as he's in his agony, he asks Abraham to just touch the tip of his tongue because it's just that hot. Like, just the tip of my tongue with a drop of water would give me some kind of satisfaction. And Abraham's like, I can't, I can't cross over. Like, I'm sorry. I can't do that. And so he says, the rich man says, well, would you at least send Lazarus back? Like, resurrect Lazarus, send them back to my brothers to kind of tell them to get right because, like, this is, I don't want this for them. And the response of Abraham was, they have the law and the prophets. Even if somebody was to resurrect from the dead, they wouldn't believe. If they don't believe the word of God, they won't even believe if somebody resurrected from the dead. Can you, can you hear that? Like, like, if you don't believe the word of God, even if Jesus, because people would be like, Man, until Jesus is right here in front of me and I can put my finger through his hole, I ain't believing it, right? And and Abraham's like, if you don't believe the word of God, you won't even believe it if we did that because you would add something. Anybody done that? Anybody like wanted a sign from God and you get the sign and you're like, well, <laughs> you know, let me add this to it, and you want more and more and more, and then you, so you just don't move. So so it's been it's been revealed, it's been recorded and reported. What's my next slide here? So. So, he goes on, he says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So, that means you can't reach it yourself. Um, it's not reachable would be my point there. I don't know if I have a point for that. Uh, do I? Yes. The right. I don't know if you can see the red, but the righteousness of God is not reachable. It's not something that you can pull yourself up to. And this is where it gets tricky because... We struggle in our pride of, of trying to do something even when we tell you that it's free, even though we tell you it's through Christ, it's by grace, we still feel like there's something we have to do to be saved, and we, we struggle with that. That's where um, they say the cross is a stumbling block, right? Because in our, in our thinking, it doesn't make sense. like. Anything in this world, think, think of what's going on right now. There, there's some people who believe, like, in their hearts that you need to get over your excuses and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Is that what they Bootstraps? Is All right. Because I don't know how you pull up by your bootstrap. I don't know how that works. So I'll, I just say it because it's been said. But you need to earn your way to the top. You need to make your way to the top. You need to progress in your workplace and you have to nobody's going to give you the CEO spot. Nobody's going to give you the president spot. You got to earn that. And that's our way of thinking because that's our culture like I have to do to progress in life. So when this when this theology or this doctrine or this teaching comes and flips everything upside down and says no, 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 it's been done for you. You you can't attain it. You're you're stuck. You're, you're so stuck that you, you hold yourself down, but then you look at others and you hold them down. Like, I can't tell you how many church leaders, not, not just like, not church specifically, but in general, look at people and look at what they do or what they don't do and say, you'll never get into heaven because you don't tithe enough. Like, for real. Like, some of you in this room, if you knew what people gave, you would tell me, why are you spending time with them? They don't give enough. As if you're buying my time when you tithe instead of tithing out of the growth of your trust and faith in Christ. But this is what we do. We flipped it. You look at people and you condemn them based on the do's and the don'ts and, and judge their salvation, right? Like, like oh, you're on your third marriage? You're going to hell. Oh, you got an abortion? You're going to hell. What you didn't know is that she, that abortion, her father raped her. And I don't mean I justify abortion. I believe God can make a way even in that. But do you understand how difficult that would be to be with her? And who's going to love her and remind her that that abortion isn't going to send her to hell? but show her where she couldn't trust Jesus in it and explain to her the sufficiency of him instead of condemn her to hell. Same thing with the person on that third divorce. The third divorce to me tells me there's something you don't trust about the sufficiency of God to hold your marriage together when it's all crumbling apart. Not you're going to hell, but this is what we do because we think Heaven is reachable by us and by our doings. And so we pick people apart until we pick them to a place of hopelessness. We put them in a position where they're like, well if that's, it's just like Peter said, well then who can go to heaven? If it's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom than a camel, have you ever seen a camel? Like, have you really seen a camel? I, I've seen, like, one camel in person. They're big. Like, like have you seen the, um, the Geico commercial? Or is it Geico? What's the hump day commercial? This Geico, he's like, guess what day it is? Hump day, right? That camel is, like, bigger, bigger than the cube, larger than the cubicles, right? Like, walking around, hump day. <laughs> that camel getting through the eye of a needle, have you seen a needle? <laughs> Is easier than a rich man, which is everybody in this room. If you drove here or got a ride here, you're rich. By, by world standards, by kingdoms, you're rich. It's easier for that camel to go through the eye of a needle than you going to heaven. Wouldn't you say, well, that's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be your response? Yes, exactly. Well, then how do I get, you're telling me there's no way I can get right with God. Yes, exactly. Well, then how do I get right with God? Yes, exactly. That's where we're at. Yes, I'm telling you, there's no way for you to reach God. But before we move on and hear all the good news, I'm trying to speak to your hearts because it's so easy to be legalistic and and condemning. We call it accountability. That's what we call it. I'm just holding my brother accountable. There, check your motivations. I'm not saying don't. Trust me, we hold people accountable. Um, part, part of the reason we're, we get into some of our Sunday situations where we're like, we don't know who's doing this or who's doing that because we hold people accountable. We're like, hey, if you're not right, you can't do these things because we need you to get right first in terms of like repentance and restoration and all that. So we hold people accountable, but the motivation is for restoration, not for condemnation. I would never look at you and hold you accountable just to condemn you to hell. I'm looking at you, trying to save you, trying to bring you into this relationship with Jesus. That, it's, it's the firefighters. It's I'm I'm not gonna. Sh- you shouldn't have lit the match. Like, what does that look like, right? Like, I, that's horrible. And I, look, like, that's a horrible illustration, y'all. Like, but but instead, I'm trying to run in and pull out, and then and as I pull them out, then I'm trying to talk to them. At, let, let's talk to some things like. You shouldn't have let the match. <laughs> I'm going to pull you out of it first, but you shouldn't have let the match. And, Matt, what we're doing is we're looking in the fire saying, yeah, I told him not to like that match. I told him not to do it. He shouldn't have done it. And we gossiping. Mm-hmm. Yep, they like Matt. You know, like, that's what we're doing. Instead of going in, coming alongside them and saying, hey, let me pull you out of this. Let me walk with you and pull you out of this. And let's talk about that situation over there along the way and how we're not going to go back and do that again. And, and how I'm going to, every time you feel the urge to do that, call me, and I'm going to be here with you, and I'm going to walk with you through this. And this is, this is what discipleship looks like, but that means you got to give some of your time up. And that means you got to build your schedule around another person and not your children and your finances and your education. Ugh, right? And, and and nobody has time in America for each other. That's why our five non-families are horrible, <laughs> because it requires you spend time with each other outside of Sunday and and time that, that you have to, like, dedicate to one another. And you wonder why we're not as unified as the church. Well, I'll tell you why. You, you, don't, you don't make time for each other. So anyway, that's a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> Y'all all feeling that, ain't you? <laughs> so the righteousness of God is not reachable, but the righteousness of God is receivable. It's my last point. So you cannot reach it, but you can receive it. It's receivable. It doesn't mean it's automatically received because your mama and your father brought you to church. Like, oh, i got to be righteous. I know i got the righteousness of God. I, my mom took me to church every Sunday. That don't mean nothing. You know, that, that, you, you don't get in on your mama's bootstraps. Does that work? Like, I'm trying to use the bootstrap thing. I'm learning here. I'm learning. But, but what happens is it's receivable. So, like, anybody, it's football season, right? Just because the quarterback throw it don't mean the wide receiver is going to catch it. But if but the coach get the coach gets mad at the wide receiver if it's even in the it's like if it hits your hands you can catch it. You know, and we got all these excuses. We're like, "Yeah, but he was hitting me. He was uh-uh. It hits your hands, you can catch it, right?" All right. It's been revealed, it's been reported, it's been recorded, you can catch it. You can receive it. In fact, it's a free gift for you to receive. Let's go to the next slide, Leah. It says even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus, look at this, for all those who believe. Now, look, all you theologians in here, we talked about this in the first service, right, Becca, right, Megan? And we talked about this in the 8 a.m. We got real deep into Calvinism and Arminianism. And for you who don't know what those words, don't just ignore it for right now. I'm talking to those who do. Yes, I get the theology giants and how they bumped heads and all this, but can we just agree on this no matter where you stand? All those who believe in Jesus Christ will be saved. There is no distinction. That means, that means in today's America where, where some of you are Republicans, some of you are Democrats. Some of y'all is black, Some of you is white. Believe it or not, some of you is white. Some of you wear a mask, some of you don't wear a mask. Some are left-handed, some are right-handed. I could divide you up by a whole bunch of stuff. But there's no distinction in who can be saved. You see that? Uh, Hey, you getting baptized, stand up. You got to be in front of people anyway. Stand up. Come here, come here real quick. He did not want this at all. He can testify that we spent time together Monday. He didn't want this at all. He's like, you do the talk." so I, I got to do this now. But I, I'm not political, all right? You ain't going to hear none of my politics, whatever. But I am this kind of political. Like, look at that. Just Come on, and White, just kind of turn for me. You right? Like, this, this is what I'm about. You feel me? I'm not, in. you need to vote. You need to use your vote. You need to exercise your vote. And whatever your convictions are, do it. Trump, Biden, whatever you want. Do what you got to do. But as a believer, as a citizen of heaven before America, this should be your campaign. Because this is your commission. This is the one who said, go make disciples. He didn't say, go make the right vote. He said, go make disciples. Now, vote with, you know, um, what do you call it, discernment? Is that the word? Sure, right? (laughs) and do all your, your studying and all that stuff. I mean that. But unity is found right here. We don't have to be uniform in our voting to have unity in this, right? Thank you, bro, I, I needed that. Thank you, man. And so, <laughs> and, I don't know why they're clapping for you. They knew what we talked about Monday. Now I'm just playing, I'm just playing, I'm just playing. And, and, so, and so check this out, like seriously. For all those who believe, there is no distinction. Like, there's no distinction. Swati, you're, you're not even from America. You're from India, and that salvation was just as much for you as it was for anybody born here, right? Because we tend to make Christ American. We do. We tend to make Christianity patriotic. It's not. You don't have to be a good American to be a good Christian, right? Right? So it's, it's all. That includes the ones that don't, that just kind of rub you wrong. That includes the ones who seem super far away. There's a transsexual, transgender, homosexual, somebody cheating on their wife right now. There is a murderer. There is a child molester. All these things that sicken you because sin should sicken you, they still have a chance to believe as long as they're breathing the air that God has given them. And if you believe this, then what would keep you from taking the message that says, but now, to them? Like, think about that. That's hard to swallow. That's hard to swallow. What, what would keep you from taking this message of good news to them? You ever had something, like, really good? Like, have, has anybody been to Best Friends Coffee and Bagels? All right. Um, has anybody had the Rashad? Anybody that had the Rashad, what'd you think about it? The, the rapper Rashad, right? The rapper Rashad, right? My, my bad, like, help me out here, right? Help me. <laughs> <It's> gr- <laughs> Nobody asked you, Charles. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I, I'm resigning from First Movers. I- <laughs> No, 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 but if you've had it, and it was good, even if it was greasy, you go tell other people about it. Oh, man, I, like people posted, man, I had that Rashad. It was good, man. It was we do it with food. We do it with movies. We do it with alcoholic beverages. Mm. We do it with politics. You should vote for Trump. You should vote for Biden. We do it with hashtags, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter. We do... All of this promoting and campaigning for everything else but the good news. See, when it comes to these other things, we're like, I don't care if you're transsexual, homosexual, adulterer, murder, whatever. If I can get you to believe in my opinion, my view, da-da-da, black lives matter. All lives matter. Blue lives matter. Right? But then as a Christian, if you're a transsexual, homosexual, adulterer, or murderer, pre- ah, I, it just, I just can't get past the. That's confusing to me. That, that's so confusing to me. So you, so you won't talk to them about Jesus, but you'll talk to them about all these other things over here and convince them of that. And I'm all about making changes here on earth, but the biggest change I want is the change that happens eternally. It is. So keep going. What's my next slide, Leah? You're doing an amazing job, by the way. So, he, so he, says, he says, after that, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Greek there is, uh, is the perfect tense, which means all sinned and all fall is like, okay, you have sinned and fallen, past tense. You currently are sinning and falling, present tense. And you will sin and fall, future tense. You, you see that? So all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God, all currently are sinning and falling short of the glory of God, and all will in the future sin and fall short of the glory of god it 's the hopelessness <laughs> like you're like it's it 's it's perfect tense it, it just it just keeps going like you 're going to fall short of the glory of God the word glory meaning wait if you have um Scales, right? My wife's a Libra. That's the scales, right? Um, if you have weight, um, the glory of God is, is his, his, like, perfection, his light, his weight of excellence put on one side of that scale, and it drops the scale. It's like, kadoom, right? Anything you put on the other side of that scale, all of your good deeds, your good parenting, your good driving, your good... Whatever you do, right? Most of you ain't good drivers anyway. But whatever you do, you put on this side of the scale, it doesn't budge. It doesn't budge the scale to bring it even. It stays like this. It doesn't equal out to the weight and the glory of God. So all on this side, no matter what you put over there, will never equal out the glory of God. Well, why is that important? Because to be in the presence of God, to be able to stand in the presence of God for eternity you must be perfect as he is perfect you must be holy as he is holy in other words if you ain't equal you cannot stand in the presence of God we got a big problem we got a big problem because I just told you everything you do won't even budge the scale so how do you equal out that scale how do you get to a position where you are equal in holiness, equal in purity, equal in being blameless, equal in being perfect with God. You don't. Jesus did. Jesus did. You see, Jesus, being God, it's called the the kenosis, right? He emptied himself out into humanity so that he was fully God and fully man. We had a question from a teenager this morning that said, you think Jesus played sports? And I was like, man, that's such a good question because sometimes we get so focused on Jesus as God that we forget Jesus as a human being. I was like, he probably played whatever sports they played. I said, but it even makes it better. Can you understand how people would struggle? Can you understand how James, the half-brother of Jesus, would like not believe in Jesus until his resurrection? Because James, being the younger brother, was probably like, man, how are you the savior and I beat you when we was playing race, you know what I mean? playing race, whatever that is, right? Like, I mean that in the running fashion, okay? Like, <laughs> like, 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 man, Jesus, you the savior, but, but you, like, you my big brother, and I used to pick on you. Like, like, could you imagine how hard it would be to be the half-brother Jesus and see that he bumped his, you know, he stubbed his toe, and he wasn't that fast, and when they sang, he couldn't hit that note, and, cause you think, well, if he was fully God, surely he was perfect by our standards. See, perfection doesn't mean you're the fastest person. doesn't mean you play, like, what if Jesus didn't make the basketball team, right? Does that mean he's not the Savior? Because well, if you was Jesus, you would have went straight to the league from, from first grade, right? Like, it doesn't work that way, y'all. But this, but so when he asked that question, he was talking about the humanity of Jesus. He's like, man, you think Jesus played sports? Yeah. Do you think he was good at them? Maybe not. He's a carpenter, man. I don't know if there's any carpenters. There. I'm not saying y'all can't play sports. I'm just saying. And so, and so when we look at this, it's saying... All of you, no matter what you do, and if we put everything like because we do the church thing too, just because you go to a church that is faithful or that lines up doctrinally and all that, you put all of that on a scale in terms of the weight of the glory of God, you still fall short. So you're not going to heaven because you got a good church, all right? Because some of y'all think y'all going to heaven because y'all go to church on a rock. I don't know where you would get that from. (laughs) But there's others who think they're going to heaven because they go to Connection Point. They're like, oh, look how big our church is and how many people go here. Not true. And I know John Dickerson. Like, that's my boy. So, like, I'm not dogging John. I'm saying it doesn't matter what church you go to. Hi, John, if he listens to this, because he was talking about you, John. Go look, you know. Like, I know John. John would back me on this. Just because you go to a big church, small church, because, you know, we get into this little idolatry of small church is the only way to do it, too. No, not true, right? Don't fall into the idols that because we don't start at 1030 because we're about the people and not the program, that you're going to heaven because of that. Because we may get up there and God be like, man, why was you making people waste time? <laughs> it's, it's the glory of God equal to God, and it's only found in Christ Jesus being justified as a gift, right? So justification means this. It means you are guilty. There's nothing you can do to deny the guilt that is on you you are born a sinner, so the fall is why you're guilty, but then you sin because you are a sinner. Your sin doesn't make you a sinner. You are a sinner, and so you sin. Some of us try to twist that, like, what if I never sin? No, no, no. You sin because you are. You, that's what you are. It's your nature. When we talk about nature, where, where, where's your favorite place to, like, travel to? Florida. Yeah, just like my wife. All right, so look, if I asked you to go to Florida right now, you could buy a ticket, fly. You could drive. You could walk if you wanted to. But if I said, hey, bro, grow some wings and fly, like you'd be like, that doesn't look right. Hold on. So you, 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 you know, whatever that is, well, I don't even know what it'd be like to have wings But you can't grow wings because it's not how you was created. It's not your nature. It's not who you, like, that's not how you were. So for you to grow wings, something from the outside would have to come in and give you the ability to grow wings. Same thing with human nature. You are born a sinner. You're born a sinner. There's nothing you can do to change that. You are what you—you you are a sinner. That's what you are. Something from the outside has to change that on the inside. This is the transformation. This is the regeneration of the heart. This is the renewing of the mind. Something from the outside has to change the inside. This is why, when you like, when you sincerely surrender your life to Jesus, people look at you and say, "What happened?" Because you look completely different. This is the, where the metaphors start making sense. Of the blind man, they looked at the blind man and said. Man, surely that ain't Tyrone who was blind. I don't know if his name was Tyrone or what his name was. Surely that ain't the blind man. Why are they saying that? Because we've known him since itty-bitty baby. He's always been blind. All of a sudden, he can see? That don't make no sense. They went to his parents. Hey, hey, uh, Bob and Sally, right? So I went Tyrone. I got to go the other way, right? Bob and Sally. (laughs) They're like, Bob and Sally. Like, little Tyrone over there. It's not working out for me right now. (laughs) Like, like. You sure he was blind or was y'all lying to us? And they was like, no, no, no. Like, he was blind. Now he can see. And, and he's like, y- you sure? Or was y'all just like, y'all just trying to get extra health care or something? Like, what's going on? Because he can see now. And he's like, no, no. He was, he was really blind. So they went back to the blind man because they was like, y- you need to go talk to him. We don't know how this happened. So they went and talked to Tyrone. Bro, are you sure you was blind or was, y- was you and your mama pulling a fast one on us? He's like, look, man, look. I, I don't have... Any idea how this happened? This is all I know. I was blind, but now I see. They're like, yeah, but how? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I was blind, but now I see. Go talk to the dude who did it. Why are you questioning me? I don't know. Go, go talk to him. And we're supposed to be the same way. They'd be like, Rashad, this is what they say when, when I started preaching here. at right moment, they, was like, they was like, Rashad Cunningham's the pastor at a church in Brownsburg? They was like, is that the same Rashad Cunningham that went to Brownsburg High School? And I was like, yeah. they like, like, Lance, the same one that worked at Teleservices Direct as a telemarketer? The, like the same one, like to, graduated in 2000? You sure we're talking about the same Rashad Cunningham? They're like, yeah. they like, how? And, and I wish Rena Dillon was here, because Rena actually got told by somebody in the community that they should not come here because there's no way that I'm pastoring, and if I am pastoring, it's all a hoax. That was, five, that was four years ago. And I get it because it's confusing. But when they ask me, bro, what school did you go to? I'm like, didn't, dropped out. They're like, bro, like, what did you do? I'm like, I didn't do nothing. They're like, bro, I'm like, look, go talk to Jesus. I don't know. Like, I I can't explain it myself. This is the miracle that is greater than splitting the Red Sea. I cannot tell you what changed me from Rashad that was in Brownsburg High School to Rashad, pastor in Church on the Rock. I need to introduce you to the one who did it. That's all I know. I don't know nothing else. So I've been justified not by nothing I did. I could preach 52 sermons and still go to hell. It's what he did. And guess what? Keep going. What's my next slide? What's my next slide? It was a gift. You see, I barely changed. <laughs> like, ding. It's a gift. Um, that means, it, like, think about it. Some of us don't accept gifts. Why? Because we feel like we owe something. How many of you are like, if I, I don't take gifts from people because I feel like I owe them? Even though they say it's a free gift, like, hey, man, this is just, I just want to bless you. And you're like, nah, bro, because I don't want to feel like I'm in your pockets. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I don't want to owe you nothing. So it's hard to take a gift, and so it it trans, it comes over into the church. Like we're like, no, no, I just feel like there's no way it's free. There's no way it's a free gift. I got um, oh look look at this y'all. Okay, <laughs> so um, <laughs> these shoes, they're fake. Okay, they're fake Jordans. These are so fake. These are bootleg fake. Um, I got these as a gift <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> Uh, They say, we walk by faith. They got G This is the true J, right? The real J is Jesus, right? Air Jesus, right? And instead of the Jordan sign, it's a cross. They were a gift. Now, I had a couple things I could do with the gift. I could um, could say, nah, bro, like I'm cool. Like thank you, but no thank you. They're fake. You know what I mean? (laughs) I could have done that. I could have took them and just kind of put them away and just kind of like, eh, I'm never going to use them. Or I could have worn them and been appreciative that somebody paid a price for something and gave it to me for nothing. Thank you, Thank you, Lord. Somebody paid a price and offered it to you for nothing. And that price was not however much these things cost. It was his life. That was his gift. And so what you need... To be right with God is to receive the gift that he has paid for your life and then wear it. The Bible says the blood in his blood, faith in his blood is what has redeemed you. We kind of do faith in the church you go to, faith in the doctrine, faith in the, and all this good stuff, but the actual redeeming thing, the actual thing that satisfies the wrath and the anger of God is the blood of Jesus. He was satisfied with the blood of Jesus. When you stand before God, you are covered in the blood of Jesus. Why? Because the blood is what satisfied his anger. Have you ever been cheated on or hurt by your spouse or lied to by your spouse or by somebody, a friend or whatever, and they said, I'm sorry, and it didn't satisfy your anger? You're like, I hear you, sorry, but you better delete that contact and da 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 da, you know what I mean? Because you're not satisfied with just the I'm sorry. You still have anger. You still have wrath. Your apology for your sin doesn't satisfy God's anger. It doesn't satisfy his wrath. The Bible says he was pleased to crush Jesus. Let that sit on your heart. The satisfaction came in his crushing of his son for you as a gift to receive. This is the gospel. This is why we sing, are we still singing All My Hope? This is why we sing All My Hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday's gone. All my sins are forgiven. I've been washed by the blood, the blood. I'm not going to go through the rest of these, Leah, so you don't have to worry about it no more. I, I, as a matter of fact, I want to stop right there. I do want to stop right there because I think we hit something right there. I'm just trying to pay attention to the room. Um, I, don't, I don't ever, like, we'll deal with some of this next week, but I don't, I don't ever want you to think I'm giving you a license or a card to go sin and do whatever you want to do. Because it feels like that. It, it's so easy to hear grace and hear the amazingness of grace and think, well, if that's the case, then I can do whatever I want to do. And, and his blood washes it away. See, the reality is your heart is deceitful. And you may say you believe in Jesus. You may be baptized today, Lance. And yet, if it's real, God says, as my bride-to-be, I will give you this engagement ring called the Holy Spirit. When I give you the Holy Spirit, not you, but the Holy Spirit in you is going to produce something through you that will give you, forget everybody else, it will give you assurance that I am present. Now look at this. People say, Rashad, you don't preach on giving enough. You don't preach on serving in the church enough. You don't preach on people doing these things enough. Well, here's why. I'm not as heavy in those areas. All that stuff is produced by true salvation. So if I'm teaching on doing this outward stuff to trick yourself into thinking you're saved, then you'll be the ones at the end who say, Lord, Lord, He'll say, I never knew you, and then your response will be you going to your checklist of the things I've been preaching for you to do. Well, I gave to the church. I served in the church. I did all these things. Aren't I qualified? And he says, I never knew you. But see, if I flip it and I focus my attention on salvation and discipleship and the things that, that commit you to a true relationship with Jesus, if you're being real with yourself— Your examination is asking, is it producing the things that people think I should be teaching on? If our giving is low, that's a testament to you, not my preaching. I don't have to guilt you into giving money if you really belong to him. If the serving here is low, that's you, not me. I don't have to guilt you into serving. If if you're not scared of your sins and and you aren't scared of hell and you're not laying things down at the altar and you're ready to quit your marriage and you're ready to quit your kids and the kids are ready to quit their parents. I'm teaching as deep as I can teach. I really am. At some point, it's your response to the Word of God. At some point, it's your day-to-day relationships with each other. At some point, it's your lack of surrender. He died as a gift so that you could live for him. What happens is if you receive it as a gift, you're no longer doing those things because of the law that can't save you. You're doing it because of the love that has saved you. It's completely different. There's a difference between obligation and obedience. One is produced by law, which salvation and the righteousness of God has been shown apart from. One is produced by love which is what Jesus is. So what, I, what I'm asking you to do this morning as we prepare for the baptism, as we prepare to sing this last song, I'm asking you to tap into that place of your heart. Wherever you are, wherever you are this morning, some of you, this is the first time you've heard this, and, and the reason you've been scared to come to church or the reason you've been scared to talk to your your old church family member who gets on your nerves talking about Jesus and all that, the reason you've been scared of all of that is because you, you felt like there was something you had to do to get right with Jesus, to get right with God. You see, that when, we, when, when you hear those words, come as you are, it has nothing to do with your clothes. That's how people use it. Come as you are, where would you want to. But actually what we're saying when we say come as you are is what sin are you stuck in? What areas of your life are you disobeying God? What ways do you feel less than less? Who's condemning you? What has the world said about you? Has has the world called you racist lately? Has the world called you activist lately? Has the world called you hypocrite lately? Has the world called you fat, called you skinny, called you, uh, whatever the world's called you, you, that you're listening to that false truth, come as you are. That's a different type of clothing. Come as you are and believe in the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus that no matter what they try to pin on you and place on you, his blood will wash that all away, and when you stand before God, I don't care if Rashad calls you something, what matters is what God calls you, and he calls you his when you place all of your trust in him as Lord and Savior. When you do that, the Lord part will produce an obedience because that means you're saying, Father... I give your son full control over my life. And the things that you say do and don't, I trust that I can't do it, but you will give me the power to start seeing the progression of those things in my life. So I call Jesus my Lord because I give him control. But I also trust in him for the sufficiency of my salvation. And so he is also my Savior. Obedience and salvation are in Jesus. So we're asking you to place all your hope in Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're asking you to place all of your hope in Jesus. And that word hope, when you see it, I want you to see it the way the Bible talks about hope. See, worldly hope is this. Some of y'all hope the Colts win today. Who they, who they playing today? Some of y'all hope the Colts win today, right? Like, you are hoping. You're like, I hope, but I don't know. You're not sure. They might, they might not. You have to see the game play out. Biblical hope is this. Biblical hope says Jesus has won today. It's, It's already guaranteed. It's a guaranteed hope. So I place all of my guarantee in Jesus. I'm not hoping he wins. I'm not hoping he conquers coronavirus. I'm not hoping he conquers the racial tension. I'm not hoping he sustains this country, regardless of who the president is. I know he's already done all that. And so all my hope is not in Trump, it's not in Biden, it's not in Black Lives Matter, it's not in Blue Lives Matter, it's not in firefighters, it's not in masks. All my hope is in Jesus. And I thank God That all the stuff from before that tells me I'm not qualified to stand before God, I think, God, all of that is gone because I've been washed by the blood. So would you stand up and sing that in a way where you actually let the words of that song actually mean something to you from that level? And if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, I beg of you to surrender that today. Amen? Amen. hope can be placed in Jesus. Father, we've walked through the entire first section of Romans, which just reminds us that, that if we place our hope in anything but Jesus, we will fall short of your glory. Father, we, we meet, we gather, we sing, we preach, we pray. We do everything to push people Your creation who is lost closer and closer to a relationship with him. I pray you you remove any of the humanity of this, Father, that would hinder people from knowing him. Father, we, we ask that you remove that and let them just hear the work of your Holy Spirit working through us, whether it's through song. Whether it's through the smiles or the hugs this morning, whatever it is, use it all for your glory and to push people closer and closer towards Jesus, which is your glory manifested. Father, I thank you for, I just thank you for the privilege. There are so many who don't even have a privilege to share their faith right now because they're not allowed to gather on a Sunday morning. Father, I thank you for the privilege to stand on some wooden stage and proclaim the message of life to a diverse people in a world that is segregated by so many things. Father, like the shirt that Lance had on, uh, we just want to be Jesus 2020 this year. We want to be Jesus every year. And we're just asking that you remove the things that divide the church and bring us back to what unites us, which is his blood and the fact that we all need it to stand before you. We thank you and we praise you. It's in your precious son's name we pray. Thank
1: you for taking the time to join us on this podcast from Church on the Rock here in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you would like any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.